Hi, everyone. Welcome to Critique a Killer. I'm one of your hosts, Kimberlea, and I'm joined with my co-host, Courtney. This show is all about true crime and murder mysteries. We dive into topics that relate to both solved and unsolved murders, and we critique the killers, whether that's their mindset, mental health, or other circumstances surrounding their crimes. If you're listening live on the Stereo app, please note you can listen to the replay on Spotify, Apple, Anchor, pretty much any other podcasting platforms if you miss anything. And if you're listening on another podcasting app, we do go live every week with opportunities for the audience to chime in. And we will be doing uh, call-ins at the end of this show. So if any of you have any questions, you want to give your opinion on anything, let us know by calling in with that little uh, play button below our avatars. I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to my co-host, Courtney, for some brief disclaimers, and then we'll get started. Okay. We mean no disrespect to the victim, family and friends of the victim, or anyone involved in this case. This is just information that we have gathered over the internet on a case that we care about and want to see justice in the end. And if you haven't listened to part one, oops, <laughs> I stopped listening to this episode now. It's crucial that you listen to the parts in order because pertinent information was provided in part one that'll help you understand this episode. Sorry, Courtney, I know you were going to tell them that, but <laughs> eventually Courtney and I are actually going to take turns and um, in our future episodes, because this is going to be multi-series, but we are going to take two different perspectives going forward. Um, I'm going to be discussing theories that lean towards her being killed by, you know, someone other than her husband who has been publicly pegged as the potential murderer. And Courtney is going to discuss theories on Alexis's husband, Tom Sharkey, being the potential killer. So if you already listened to part one, then you'll know we left off. You'll know where we left off. And we were discussing the friends that Alexis had met in Houston, Texas in February of 2020. She met them in February 2020. So she really didn't know them that long, considering, you know, she was missing and then found dead in November of the same year. But this episode, we thought it was really important to give you details about each of her friends that she was closest to because she spent time with these people before her death. And it becomes very important in laying down that timeline and pinpointing where Alexis was the weekend of her death and then when she was heard from last. Right. And we won't go through all of them on this episode, but we will be focusing on her Houston friends that were not in money. The money girls will be discussed separately. Exactly. Because they're, they're two different groups of friends that kind of came together because they were all in Houston. But Courtney and I will be taking turns as usual. And we'll be talking about four of Alexis's close friends, Tanya, Desiree, Kendra, and Chelsea. So one thing to note is that the four friends had said that they noticed Alexis's demeanor had changed over the past few months, and she seemed very sad. I think that's going to come into play later on because there was something that her husband mentioned, and some of the friends took issue with that, but we'll get into it probably in our next episode. So to start out with, we have her friend Tanya. I did briefly mention Tanya and Kendra in our last episode, and Tanya and Alexis actually met on Bumble BFF, and they met January 2020. This is the same time that she also met Kendra, because Kendra was also new to Houston, and she had already met Tanya, and they had matched or gotten together with Bumble BFF, and then they sort of invited Alexis into their friend group. So they met in February, February 28th, 2020, at a, a bar called, or I don't know if it was a bar, but it was a restaurant, and they had sushi. 
Um, Tanya's 32 years old in 2020 and she's a mom. She has a young boy around probably my daughter's age, maybe like eight or nine. And she's lived in Houston her whole life, or at least in Texas her whole life. Right, Courtney? Yes, that's what she said. I think so. So she was looking for some new friends. Um, She was also the closest in location to where Alexis's apartment was. So she had mentioned in interviews that she was about 15 minutes away. All of these things are going to be important going forward. So if you're taking notes, I know some people are like, we take a bunch of notes. We're trying to figure this out. It is unsolved. So if you are taking notes, these are really important things going forward. But Tanya is also dating a guy named Chris and looks like they've been together since September 2020 officially because I saw a post on Instagram. That's where I get a lot of my information. But I also saw comments on that post that said like new boy toy. So (laughs) I figured that was maybe the first time some of her friends knew she was in a relationship. But Tanya actually seems like she's the closest with Desiree out of all the friends. And we're going to discuss Desiree as well. Uh, Let's see what else. Something that a lot of people mention. I don't think it's that important, but Courtney, you can give your opinion on this in a moment. She actually was on Inside Edition twice. They did like a part one and a part two. And she got $30,000 worth of surgery to look like Meghan Markle. What's been said about this, and this is where I don't agree, and then Courtney could have a different perspective on this, but I don't agree this has anything to do with this crime whatsoever. And there's people on the internet that are convinced that Tanya was jealous and just because you have plastic surgery does not mean you're jealous of your good-looking, beautiful friends. What do you yeah. think about that? I know you yeah, had some opinions. It's ridiculous. I have nothing against plastic surgery. I've had it. I don't care whoever wants to do it. If you want to enhance your beauty or do something that you're insecure about, that's fine. I, I can't help but wonder how much the whole Meghan Markle thing was exaggerated for the show. Because it's Inside Edition, you know, it's kind of like gossipy drama. And I'm wondering if they really hyped up the Meghan Markle thing just as, as part of the the plot, or I don't know what you'd call it. That's what I'm wondering, because I bet she's like, hey, I can get $30,000 of free plastic surgery. Heck yeah, I'll, I'll go on there and make a fool of myself. <laughs> I agree, because I think they... I totally agree. I think they do casting calls, you know, in the area because it was a Houston doctor that's very well known and he does celebrity plastic surgeries, meaning he makes you look like the celebrity of your choice. And they're going to pick someone that kind of looks like the celebrity they want to look like. And she doesn't look like Meghan Markle, but she has the same eye color, hair color. They also mentioned that she was like biracial. And I guess maybe Meghan Markle is. I don't know Meghan Markle that well. I don't follow celebrity gossip or anything like that. But what I'm trying to say is they tried to match someone with the free surgeries that looks similar to who they're trying to look like. So I agree. Yeah. Another thing to note about Tanya was that she was in a group chat with the friends that is going to come into play later. So it's something that is really important to talk about. They did have a group chat with a number of their friends in that. And Tanya was in that group. And I like to also mention things that I've seen. So February 28th, 2020, there was a post on Tanya's Instagram. It was from Clutch Bar in Houston, and she was with Alexis. So that is the first picture that I actually saw with them together. And like we mentioned, they met in February 2020. So I thought that was interesting. You know, that's probably one of the first times they either met or went out together. And then um, I saw another picture of Tanya, Kendra, Alexis, and Desiree. So all four of the girls we're going to be talking about today. Uh, 
on May 23rd, 2020. And this was by what looked like Alexis's pool. And they have said that because of COVID, people who were working a nine to five were not working and they're working from home. And Alexis works from home and Chelsea also worked from home. So now their friends were out and about with them. They were having fun by the pool. They were going to brunches, restaurants, bars. So they said that because they were hanging out so much, they were very close. But that's one of the things that's questionable about their relationships because Tom actually mentions in one of his interviews or to another friend that he wanted them to look out or be careful around these particular girls because once Alexis met these girls, she had problems that she didn't have before. And we've never known what that meant, but he said some things that we mentioned in the last episode. So that's important if you want to go back and listen. But um, they did get together. Desiree, Chelsea, Kendra, and Tanya were at Tanya's apartment on November 16th. This is important. It's right, you know, it's it's very close to when Alexis was found missing. I mean, she went missing right after Thanksgiving. So this wasn't very long uh, before that. And this was for Tanya's 32nd birthday. And they took a picture together. And then Chelsea, Tanya, Alexis, and Cassie, who we're going to briefly discuss, were at Tanya's birthday um, party. So the party was actually at the Post Oak Hotel in Houston, and that was on November 17th. So that was sort of the timeline as far as Tanya and her relationship to the other girls. I mean, their other relationships go back further, I mean, in relation to Alexis. So if you want to go into the next friend, I'm pretty much done with Tanya. Okay, I'm going to talk about Kendra, and she was 33 at the time that Alexis went missing. She also met Alexis on Bumble BFF. She she told a story where her and Tanya were both looking for friends on Bumble BFF, and they decided to have a dinner for the people that they had met on there. And I guess they both matched with Alexis, and they had both invited her. So when she showed up, they're like, oh, wait, how do you know her? How do you know her? So I know it's kind of small world. I think we discussed that last week. I apologize. But uh, they met in January of 2020 through the bubble BFF, but they met in person for the first time in February. And she said their friendships grew really quickly and they talked every single day. So I just relate that to you and I, how we've known each other like a year and we've talked every single day. Oh my and, gosh. Yeah. You know, like we think of how well we know each other. So I don't know. I can kind yeah, of. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You wonder how well some someone can know in a year, but, but they were also hanging out and we don't hang out in person. So I don't know. It, it could be, they could have been really close. Let's see. Um, on in May of 2020, Kendra did a Instagram post where she tagged Monet, so it looked like she joined as a partner, a market partner. And I'm not sure. Maybe you know. I'm not sure if she was on Alexis's team or not. I assume that she signed up under yeah. Alexis. Okay. Yeah, she did because it seems like she didn't really work the business, and that was basically like the only post I ever saw her tag Monet in. And I think that she just did it like a lot of people. We've all been there where we just kind of like join an MLM because our friend is like, hey, this will be fun. This will be awesome. You like the products. And I think it was basically that. I, I don't think she ever worked the business and she's clearly not working the business. Oh, okay. So on November 30th, she did a memory post of Alexis 
I guess she didn't post when she was missing or there wasn't like a, a stag static post of her missing, but she could have posted in her stories. And sorry, she was also in the group chat, which is really important. I think Kendra is another one of the the several girls that were really close in that group chat. She does 75 hard, which is a tactical guide to winning the war with yourself. 75 hard is the only program program that can permanently shape change your life from your way of thinking to your level of discipline and the way you approach every single task in front of you. We also discussed last week how Alexis was doing 75 hard. So I'm curious if Kendra's the one that introduced her to it. I mean, it sounds like a really hardcore program. So Kimber, when are we gonna start 75 hard? <laughs> I am not, I, I could do like three hard and that's it. I'm not gonna do 75 days of anything except maybe talking to you. <laughs> It's so intense. I had a, a girl I follow on Instagram does it, and she had to start over like three times, but then she finally finished it. So, I mean, oh, I guess it's really no cool thanks. that she was honest and yeah, when she did 75, 75 hard pass. <laughs> yeah, right? No, oh my gosh, I need to do it, but yeah, I, I can't stick to anything for that long. Mm -mm. Uh, she also, Kendra, had a conversation with Tom when Alexis went missing, and we'll kind of go more into that later. And she, oh, but she also had reached out to Tom. I'll just say this part. She had reached out to Tom on Saturday and said she was really worried about Alexis, and he told her that she was dealing with demons and left here about six o'clock, and he was kind of painting Alexis in a negative light, which is a little odd. But I think, yeah, I think that's about all I have on Kendra. Yeah, I, I could see that it would be odd. But then when I hear that, because I've heard that several times, I don't think it's odd because let's say you know about things that have happened to me because I tell you them. If, if let's say I went missing, you would say maybe things that another friend wouldn't say because I don't confide in them that way. So when her husband says things like she was dealing with things, you're going to be way more real with someone you live with. Like my fiance sees me every day. If I'm sad, if I'm upset about something on the outside, people would never know that two days ago I was upset because of something going on with my business. Like no one would know that except somebody that's with me all day, not even you, even though I tell you everything. But <laughs> I think that it could be looked at as odd, but I think another thing that's odd, if we're going to be talking about Kendra real fast, um, I noticed that the first picture that she had with Tanya was not even until May of 2020, even though supposedly they had met before this. So I don't know. I always look at those things. Not that it's even a big deal. I just like to mention those. And then you're right. She did not do a static post of Alexis missing. It wasn't until Alexis was found dead that she did a memory post on November 30th. So a couple of days after they found her or a day after they found her. And then um, I think that it's interesting because Courtney and I were talking earlier. We're going to go into this in detail later because it is something that was been bothering us. We're not going to go crazy with this right now, but it's weird that she took this trip to Tulum. Uh, Kendra did. And it looked like she went with a group of friends that were unrelated to the group of friends that they all hung out with. She was with her boyfriend and they had this big get together for a whole week in Tulum. 
It was around the same time that Alexis, her last post on her Instagram is from Tulum. She's there. She talks about wanting to move there. I don't think that was serious because, again, uh, one of her friends said that when they were on another trip, which we'll get into, they kind of joked around about moving to Tulum and getting a butler and all this stuff. So I really don't think she meant that. It's just a dream, a wish. You know, um, she said that she would move there because the aesthetic sinks. I mean, it was kind of a joke, but I thought it was interesting because Courtney and I cannot find one piece of proof. You know, it's not like we don't think she went. That's not what we're trying to say. But it's just very interesting that there's really no friends that she shared any photos with and none of her friends went on this trip. And she commented on Kendra's photo of Kendra in Tulum. So clearly she wasn't with Kendra. She wasn't even in Tulum when Kendra got there. But then the same week she ends up in Tulum. It's just very odd. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's really strange, especially because she shared so much of her life on Instagram. And every trip, she had tons and tons of pictures. She even has her trips in highlights on this, you know, like story highlights on the top. Right. So I find it odd. Like I said earlier, maybe she was planning out her post and she had a bunch to come since she had just gone to Tulum. So maybe, right. you know, they were coming. But yeah, it's odd that she only had one. Yeah, I thought it was really odd. But like you said, and I said this too, looking through a lot of her friends' posts that are influencers or they're in money or whatever, it's very confusing because they'll take photos that were, you know, five months old and they'll post them. And you can kind of tr backtrack it and be like, okay, that's a photo that looks really good. And she posted it because it's hot, but she's not even in said place. And it's very confusing <laughs> to get a timeline. Yeah. Yeah. For all sure. over the place. And a lot of them so, don't want to post when they're actually somewhere for safety concerns. So they'll post it later on. I, I don't know if Alexis was, really did that. I feel like she was pretty open about where she went. That's that's what I was going to say. She was very open about where she went. We talked about that last week. And that was why it's so peculiar to me that she wouldn't even like, there was nothing. There was no highlight, you know, save that was like uh, on the plane. She always posts that. Like anytime she goes anywhere, that's part of her business. She wants to show the lifestyle. She's selling that lifestyle. And so I found it to be very odd that there just wasn't anything connecting any friend. Now, of course, it could have been in her stories and they had disappeared. But it I'm only mentioning this and Courtney and I have talked about this and we'll go into detail later, like I said, a million times. <laughs> I feel like I'm repeating myself on that. <laughs> but we find it to be odd because of what happens later and who and, you know, who she ends up meeting and who she's with a couple nights before she died. So all of that kind of plays into this whole Tulum thing and it being peculiar. Yeah, it's very suspicious. The next person we have is Desiree. She was 29 years old at the time of Alexis's death. You know, there's not too much about Desiree online because her profile is private. And that's usually where we go first is Instagram. But I do know that she is in real estate. She, she isn't part of a real estate team and she has a bachelor's degree in business communication. She seems to be on the more serious side, but she still parties and goes out, obviously, like she's human. And she was in this friend group. And like I said, the closest to Tanya. So they had already known each other. And she's also could be connected to Cassie. And we'll talk about Cassie later briefly, because she's not a big um, pivotal person in this whole 
story, but she is pivotal in one way, which we will discuss. But Cassie was there on Thanksgiving with, um, I think it was Desiree. Yeah, I think it was Desiree. Ta- no, it was, I'm sorry. It was Tanya. There's so many people. Alexis and Cassie on Thanksgiving. So that is important. But I think that Desiree and Cassie knew each other. And that's how Cassie got to be part of the group because they're both in real estate. I've seen them in photos with the girls together. And I thought it was important to mention she's also in the group chat. We just want to reiterate who's in the group chat. And she was at the hotel party that I spoke about with Tanya and Alexis. She was at the hotel party for Tanya's birthday. And that was the 17th of November. One last thing to share, because you're going to hear about this later. Alexis had a friend named Ursula from Monate. They were both on the same Monate team. They had known each other for a long time. She went on a lot of trips with Ursula. And there was a post that was shared not only on the news, but by Desiree. It was a post from Ursula on December 2nd. And it was about Alexis not wanting to be called an influencer, that she didn't like the word. She didn't like the connotation. She wanted to be called a mentor, a businesswoman, an entrepreneur. So, you know, news has spun it as like major influencer. She only had, what was it? Like 12,000 before? Or wait, was it 7,000? I think it was 10,000. And then she gained up to 71,000 followers after her death. But the news tries to spin it to make it interesting by saying like, you know, world, not world renowned, famous influencer. Um, And that's just something I felt like mentioning, but um, that was Desiree. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that's important, but she did, she did share a post in December about, about Alexis not wanting to be an influencer, but she also made a remark I believe, or no, I think that was Chelsea, but all of them have kind of been pretty private because people have attacked them online. They've been very rude to them. They've accused them of murdering their friend. So yeah, that's all I really have for Desiree. Did you have anything else, Courtney? Oh, I think Courtney's muted. Am I muted? Yeah, you were muted. <laughs> it's okay. Oh my God. <laughs> so sorry. I don't it's know okay. why I did that. Oh my God. Okay. So on June 4th, Chelsea had her first post with Alexis and Kendra on her Instagram. And she posted on November 29th, have you seen Alexis? So she actually did post one of the things when Alexis was missing. And sorry, (laughs) she posted a picture the next day of her and Alexis. Like, I, I believe after Alexis was found. She did a memory post and she did has- hashtag justice for Alex or Ale- sorry for Alexis. <laughs> and she did not post much on her feed about Lex. I don't know. I just think about if it was my best friend that went missing and was, you know, found dead. I feel like I would be posting a lot, especially if it was unsolved and you're trying to get the word out. But everyone's different maybe maybe they were grieving and they thought you know they wanted to stay off social media I'm not sure she oh and she actually dm'd Tom when Alexis was missing and we can kind of go into that conversation later she was in the group chat as well and uh okay so her boyfriend is John and Tom Alexis's husband messaged John 
the night that Alexis went missing. So he, well, he had messaged John to call him and then John called him later on to see what was going on. And that's when he, you know, started saying that Alexis ran off and the same old stuff that she was, you know, battling demons or whatever. So he knew John because they went to a Halloween party the month before in October. Alexis and Tom were there and John and Chelsea were there too. So what I find kind of odd, maybe you didn't, but I watched an interview that Chelsea did with a news station, like right after they found Alexis's body and she seemed really emotionless. But then she, this is what she said. She said, we haven't been able to grieve her death because we all want justice right now. So I don't know if that was kind of her excuse for not like sitting there crying and being really emotional. Is it just me or is that weird? Um, I find a lot of things weird because I, I know and I understand that people don't really express themselves exactly the same. So I really take it on a case by case. But I just think it's kind of, I guess, interesting that a lot of her friends are emotionless. And when they try to be emotional, they look fake. And I, yes. I know that's terrible. It's very judgmental. And I'm not trying to judge them. I'm observing a situation, which is what an investigator does, but I'm not an investigator. But when I'm trying to piece something together and I'm interested in something, I take into account the way that somebody's acting. And it was really, and I don't, I can't understand how this is even possible, but like days afterward, they were going on these interviews and it was like straight faced laughing. Uh, the way that they were describing things was odd. And even the fact that some of her friends were like posting links to their interviews. Yeah. I mean, I know that was supposed, I know that was supposed to be, like you said, to help. I mean, you know, that's probably what it was, but I did find how like straight faced they were through everything. I mean, it, there was like not one drop of a sniffle. Mm-mm. It was cringy. Yeah. And, and again, we're not saying that any of her friends have anything to do with this. Uh, right. We kind of have a little, little, we have our theories of why certain people act a certain way. And that's kind of why we wanted to map out who everyone were or who everyone was. Because when we start talking about all these people, it's going to make people lost. And I know we tried our best. This was a lot of information. So we tried to get it out in some kind of organized manner. But the most you have to understand is that Desiree, Tanya, Kendra, and Alexis work the closest uh, in Houston. However, there was Allie and Lauren that were Monate friends, which somebody that did business with Alexis. So those, you know, two people will be mentioned later, but it's just so important that you kind of have a baseline for who these individuals were, because that's going to make sense on what, where they fit in the timeline, why they were saying the things they were, why they went on certain interviews, why they're private online. Yeah. I did have one more thing I was going to say about Chelsea. She stated that she had a lot, that her and her friends had a lot of information that they wanted to share with the police. She said it was like text messages, voice recordings, so much stuff that was vitally important that could help the investigation. And, but she said they had, none of them had been questioned. So I'm not sure if that changed or what, but at that time, right afterwards, when they started doing interviews, like the police hadn't interviewed them or anything. So just something to think yeah. about. I always wonder what they mean by the police didn't interview them. 
my god like what did they think it was going to be like the movies like they sit down <laughs> yeah. and i'm just asking i'm not trying to be a like rude i'm just saying do they think it's like the movies where they're going to sit down in an interrogation room because they're not suspects so i don't know yeah i'm not sure i guess we could throw in cassie and sebastian really quick we don't have to go into detail about sebastian but I think it's important with the Cassie girl, she was in the group chat. So I don't know if I mentioned that, but again, nothing, you know, not enough emphasis on the group chat at this moment. <laughs> if we're, <laughs> we also noted, and I already said this, she was at the place where everyone saw Alexis last. And that was Thanksgiving night at Tanya's apartment. So Cassie was there. And then of course we have Sebastian who is kind of a new player to the game, right? Yeah. I mean, as far as we know. Right. <laughs> and he, Sebastian, which is, he's known as Seb, but he was Tanya's friend. They worked in the, what she said, the nightlife, nightclub industry, the bar scene for a long time. She had known Sebastian. They've worked together. She even said, like, I know his manager. She seemed to know <laughs> a lot about Sebastian. Mm-hmm. And she says that Alexis, because the last person that actually had, that we know besides what Tom has said, okay, so this is important, but the last person that we know talked to her out of her friends, We she could have been talking to a, a numerous other people outside of this friend group, but as far as their friend group is concerned, he was the last person that actually was in communication with Alexis. And he was also the last person to hang out with her in the, in the friend group. So I thought that was really important. And according to, um, I'll ask you this, Courtney, but I thought that according to Tanya, Alexis had met Tanya in Mexico a week prior. So that, that's what's confusing. Because remember, we just told you that Alexis didn't show any of that on her Instagram. And, it, and, she, and, and there's no friends with her. Like there's no pictures of anybody else in this phone, in this phone group, in this friends group. <laughs> that were there and now Sebastian was there with her and he's also the last person that she hung out with I don't know I just think about it it's not to say anything it's just a fact yeah and and he hung out with her also the night before and nobody ever actually saw her after that you have to remember that you know the next day she was kind of active texting but nobody saw her after what was it Friday night Thursday night. Yeah, I started having a coughing fit. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was having a straight up coughing fit and I couldn't stop. I'm so sorry. It's okay. That's never happened to me before. <laughs> it's never happened to me. You need to take um, a break. <laughs> no. I thought that maybe we can talk a little bit about Tom. We don't have to go into detail, but can you start? Because I need to cough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll be right back. All right. So Tom is a hot mess. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But his whereabouts are unknown for the night that Alexis went missing. He says that he went out driving around looking for Alexis and that he sat in the parking lot for two hours. But this hasn't been verified. He could he totally could have gone and dumped her body. There were reports that their marriage was on the rocks which we all know is like a huge factor in homicides. So 
I don't know. He he's he's given a lot of stories. I feel like about what happened that Friday night. You know, a different story to different people. So it's all pretty questionable, don't you think? I I I don't know because there's there's interesting things about Tom. If people didn't know they were married in June 2019, he said that the last four months he was only in Houston for 18 days. So that leads me to believe he probably didn't know what Alexis was doing. Yeah. I mean, we don't know what days those were. We don't know if he, we, for all we know, he could have come back two days before Thanksgiving. I don't know that timeline. We don't know that timeline. The police is, are still investigating this. We're not getting a lot of information. So all we can do is speculate by putting all of these things together. But he didn't think that Alexis was good friends with any of the girls. He kept saying that she didn't have the issues that she had since they moved to Houston. So I just thought that was interesting. And when he said that, he used the present tense. So he didn't say, he didn't make it sound like she was gone, if that makes sense. So I thought that was interesting. And he did TikTok videos with her. They were drinking buddies. That was another thing. They used to travel a lot and drink together. And Alexis even made remarks that, you know, she couldn't be a, white, a lightweight because he was her drinking partner. <laughs> well, and it did seem like they had a good relationship until they moved to Houston. And then it seems like that's kind of when things started crumbling. Because I think, in my perspective, she was going out more. She was spending a lot of time with the new friends. She was usually with Tom before it, it seems like her business was picking up. She was going on more work trips. She was taking pictures with her friends for these work posts for her Instagram. She was purposely going on trips for weekends at a time. Yes, Tom worked a lot. But she also wasn't really giving him the attention that he thought he deserved. And he made that clear. That was something that um, he said in a direct message to her on Instagram. And this is when she was in Marfa with a few of her Monate friends. And this was right before her death. This was like two weeks before her death. So it's just interesting to me because, yes, I, I do 100%. I, this is just my opinion. I 100% think she wasn't the person that he had met. People change over the course of one year, two years. This was three years that they had been together. She went from working at Twin Peaks to traveling all over the world, basically. And then, you know, getting to where she was in her life at this point, I think she wanted that freedom. She probably had different goals. And when that happens, especially when you're dating a man that's, what was he, 49 at the time or 47 at the time? Yeah. No, he's 49. 49. He's 49. I think it just changes. It just changes your relationship and the dynamic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think she probably gained a lot more confidence and realized that she didn't need him. And maybe that bothered him as well. But, I, yeah, I do think she changed as far as kind of growing up. She was getting a little older, and I'm sure it caused, you know, tension between them. And plus, when you're not together, when your husband's working out of town, or you're always traveling, you're not together, you grow apart. It's just yeah. a fact. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And I remember I was with my daughter's dad when he was 23, and that was around the same age that Alexis was when she met Tom. And I look back on his maturity level, and no women are more mature and all that, but 23, and I was 29, almost 30 at the time. And even that was 
such a significant age difference. We were at different portions, like portions, but different places in our life. And we just didn't vibe together. We wanted it to work, but we were so different. And I can only imagine, you know, someone that's a quote unquote influencer. And then she's got this husband that's really, I mean, he was awkward in her videos, just really awkward. It looked, it looked bad to me. Yeah. Yeah. It was cringy. It was definitely cringy, but you know, her friend said they didn't judge her relationship and that she really kept her relationship to herself. She wasn't one to bring up things about her relationship, but Tom did hang out with her and her friends here and there. I mean, I've seen videos with them, uh, with good friends from Monade. I've seen her with, I've seen him at, you know, the Halloween party and drinking with friends. So it was only until the last few months in September and October when her friend said there was a dark cloud over her and that her demeanor changed. But Tom says the same thing, a very similar thing. So it's like if her friends are saying that her demeanor changed and Tom's saying her demeanor changed, why do they say that that's not true when they're essentially saying the same thing? Right. So Yeah, and he, uh, her friend said that she was always really private about her relationship until like the last few weeks of her life. And that's when she kind of started to open up. But again, the things that they, they say Alexis was talking about, we don't know if that's true or not. So we also don't know what Tom really said because we've only, we only have a a DM. I'm sorry, not a DM. We only have a message between Chelsea and Tom, that you can see it. You can actually see the message. It's on Facebook, I think. So you can actually see that that's proof. But as far as these friends saying, you know, Tom said she ran this, we're not, that is just basically hearsay. Like we don't have it in writing. We can't see the message he sent to John on Facebook. We do not know what their conversation consisted of. And it doesn't seem like they like Tom very much. And you know how telephone works. You can tell your friend, oh, this is what Tom said. And then it gets, pushed into a different narrative and there is no proof of what Tom said that night. I mean, there just really isn't any proof. Yep. Yep. Just all speculation or like you said, rumors. Yeah. I mean, we, we know that Tom did one interview, I think with eyewitness news in Houston. And I mean, it was so brief. He basically hung up on the guy. Like he was so distraught and whether that's fake real I just want to point out, you know, obviously we critique killers and we haven't really been doing that. And he's not a killer (laughs) that we know at this point, it's like innocent until proven otherwise. But what I want to point out is even if he was, you are still grieving the loss of someone you love regardless. So I just think it's interesting because people say like, oh, well, you know, um, he wasn't acting right. Well, he's acting a lot more. He's, he's acting sadder than her friends were. He's acting more emotional than her friends were. So right. to me, it's like, I would expect him to hang up on the guy. I would expect him to be breaking down and saying, she was my world. You don't understand. I'm not a bad guy. Um, she was my world. And there's two sides to every story. Like, I, I don't think that that's peculiar. No, uh-uh. not at all. And nobody knows how they're going to act in that situation. I just can't imagine how shocking it would be and he has really kind of hidden I don't know if he hides because people think he's guilty or maybe he's still really grieving I mean it was only a couple months ago yeah I I don't think anything of it like 
I don't think it's suspicious at all. I just think it's it's one way for someone to grieve. Um, and then also, you know, a couple other things. And then if anyone wants to ask us questions or they want to talk at all or give their perspectives, if they've been following the case, we would love that. I do have a couple messages here that I'm going to listen to. So if you want to take over for a second, but I wanted to mention that um, she, their, her friends did say that they were going through a separation. I, again, I have not seen any proof of that except for a DM between Tom and Alexis where he says he wants to divorce. Yeah. She was, was she in Marfa? I think she was in Marfa having fun with her, fun with their friends. And he sent her a message on Instagram. He replied to one of her stories of her and her friends being silly and was just went off about how he was filing for divorce and just it was kind of overreacting I feel like and then Alexis was like why you knew I was coming here and that we were going to be doing content shoots so she she obviously screenshotted that and sent it to somebody because we've seen the the screenshot of that conversation but it's weird and people are are saying that they were filing for for divorce. I heard a podcast where one of her friends said that he had already been moving out his stuff. They had already filed for divorce. I think she had, and that he had been moving out his stuff for some time. So there's just so many different stories. It's hard to know what's real and what's not real or if any of it is. Yeah. And next time we come back next week, we will be diving into a lot of that. It will be a much more interesting and in-depth episode. We wanted to get the friends going and we will start with the money friends and then we'll go straight into everything. All the facts that we know, what the timeline was, where she was last, who talked to her, what did she say? All of that's going to come out in the next episode. So all of these things that we're kind of touching on are going to make a lot more sense when you understand who these friends were and then the exact timeline, like we're going to go from the beginning to the end, which is super sad, but there's just so much up in the air. And again, the police haven't said anything. They said in the beginning, Oh, we're going to make a statement once we know more. And they have made no public, no public statements. They said to watch their Twitter and there's just been nothing about the case. Yeah. I saw somebody ask the other day in a Facebook group, if, if they thought the case was cold and someone said, no, definitely not. Because if it was going cold, the police would be asking the public for help. But since Hmm. they're not, it just means, you know, they have all the information. They're just putting it together to make an arrest. So that was kind of reassuring, but I don't know how true it is. I know. I can't trust anything in the Facebook groups anymore. There's some (laughs) weird people in those Facebook groups. I mean, maybe they think I'm weird too, but I I can't. Oh, by the way, we had two people call in, but as usual, they were just being funny. And I don't want to put that, even though it made me laugh, I don't want (laughs) to put that on the show. So I'm not going to put those on. But if anyone does have anything that's not, you know, a joke, I will totally entertain questions or concerns or anything like that. It's really funny. Like one of them was really funny. It was about his dog. (laughs) I'm like, Oh my gosh. When I listen to other people on this app, on the stereo app, 
and they play the questions, it's always people being really funny or singing songs or, you know, asking cheesy questions. So I don't think it's just for us. I think they do it to everyone. Yeah, they do. And it is funny. And like, yeah, I, mean, I should have played a couple of them just for, you know, a good laugh. <laughs> but wait, actually, I think, can I? Oh, I can play one. Uh, okay, oh, okay, let's, can I? Oh, I rejected it, but like, maybe I can go back and approve it. Oh, I can. Oh, okay, God. cool. Are you ready for this? Let's yeah, play okay. it. Here we go. Hi, my dog has one eye. His name is Teddy. He says, hello. Hello. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm like, I'm laughing. Poor Teddy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, I have another one I'm going to play just because it's funny. Okay, ready? Okay. Yep. Okay, here it comes. I got the button held down right now. The, the button held down, look. Hey, ladies. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey. Um, uh, the other oh. guy's name was <laughs> David Dobrik, but I, I really don't think that that was the real David Dobrik. Yeah, I, I doubt it. Doubtful. <laughs> I remember the one time, um, what was his name? Like Mr. Beast <laughs> came on, quote, Mr. Beast, unquote, came on my... Um, my Instagram or my my YouTube live. I don't know if you were there, but I was they're... there when they wanted you to twerk. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! That was hilarious. It was so uh, funny. I hope everyone has a good night. Please tune in next week. We're really going to start going deep into the story and putting everything together. So we really appreciate it if you do stay tuned. And don't forget, if you miss anything, you can go back and listen to the replay on Apple and Spotify and Anchor and pretty much every other podcasting platform that is out there. So we thank you so much and we'll see you next week. Yes. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone.